0: Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week, we're looking back at our 2023. Hello. Hello. We're we're back. (laughs) Here we are. We're talking about more 2023 stuff. We're just hung up on last year. We we can't can't, get over it. (laughs) Man, <laughs> I think we have long we to enough. move on. Yeah, move on, guys. Come on. <laughs> no, we're continuing kind of similar to what our big live stream was about, where we went over all of the films that we watched from 2023, mm-hmm. and this time we're going to be delving into specifically our Letterboxd stats from 2023. Yeah. And just having some fun with it, and we'll do a What We Watch segment at the end to talk about more of, like, the movies we've been watching recently. So, yeah, I thought this could be a fun experience for you guys to kind of delve a little further into our personal tastes, even though you get like, you know, a taste of it with the what we watch segment. Because I know we're just that interesting. We're so interesting. <laughs> you no, can't I can't get enough of us. I, I think it's fun. No, like, no. even just seeing a stranger's letterbox stats, because everyone's is so like wildly different, you know? People yeah. have such strange, like, Oddly varied watching habits. Well, and it's interesting because me doing YouTube so <laughs> consistently this last year yeah. uh, has led to some oddities in my letterbox <laughs> as well. So there's there's some fun stuff to delve into. Yeah. So pull up your letterbox stats and join us as we uh, compare. Yes. All right, so we're gonna just kind of break it down section by section and talk through our Letterboxd stats. If you again have a Letterboxd, I think you just need a pro. I don't think you need Patreon yeah, to do you, this. Yeah, if you have a, if you're a pro subscriber on Letterboxd.com, you it automatically generates one of these like stats pages for every year that you've been on the platform. If you've logged, I think like five films or more. So yeah, you can you can come along with us on this journey and see if how how you compare to our movie watching tendencies yeah. which are sometimes extreme sometimes <laughs> erratic yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let's start at the at the very beginning which is just kind of our big numbers. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> start at the very beginning. Uh, so uh, we we open up at the very top of our stats for 2023. A lot of numbers with at the diary entries. Yeah. So this is how many times we specifically logged a film on Letterboxd. Yeah, not just write a review, but specifically like attached a date and yeah. a review to a film. <laughs> yeah, and I have 438 diary entries. Well, I, which I was surprised that I was a little higher than you but i do log short films and you yeah. don't so i imagine this is actually probably pretty comparable As <laughs> say, i only log short films if i do write a review and i don't write reviews for a lot of short films yeah so but on top of that you you kind of got around a lot with like the film festival stuff That's and true. everything like that like you had a lot of times where you could just like log <laughs> a bunch of films in a couple of days and i never really had that yeah um but i ended up logging 472 diary entries yeah which, which is crazy. It's well over we both we both well went over the 365 days. That's typically what I shoot for. Like in a year, I'm like if I can watch like a film four every day, not necessarily a film on every day, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Like that's that's enough movies for a year. No, this was this was <laughs> probably my most like movie watching year probably ever oh for sure for we me had, anyway we had AMC A list which means we could go specifically go to the theater we got to see new releases yeah um, <laughs> this isn't on these stats but i had this because i tag everything i go see and like in theaters mm-hmm. with a tag on letterboxd and i think it was like 53 movies in theaters hey which that's pretty cool Is crazy for a year for <laughs> me like that just doesn't really like yeah happen so I'm curious to check my, like, stat on that, because I also tagged my diary entries with, like, if I go to a theater. Um, But what was the next stat for you? Yeah, the next stat is reviews. So, specifically, how many of those I reviewed. And I reviewed 372 films. So, a bit less. Yeah, so a little bit less. I didn't write reviews for most of my rewatches, is typically what that is. Mm. But I tried to watch, like, any new film I watched, um, I tried to give it a review yeah that makes sense. um, I believe mine was, yeah i I wrote I write a review for everything I log and then I wrote two additional reviews that didn't have like a date. I just wanted to actually <laughs> write something about the movies. um so I have two hundred and seventy four so just two, two extra more films. than yeah. how many you log that's funny <laughs> uh just as kind of because these these don't have too much discussion no. that can go with them. I also made twenty eight lists, which. <laughs> I don't know, like the lists things. This is like a big thing for me on Letterboxd and Letterboxd. Anyone at Letterboxd, if you're listening, <laughs> um, one of the things I really wish we had was like a convenient little search of lists mm. because I keep, I keep not liking making lists, even though I really enjoy making lists. <laughs> right. Just because they, it gets so piled up and so hard to find all my specific lists. I don't want to have to, like, scroll I, through uh, hundreds of lists to find one. Whenever I need to find something, I either go on the computer because they do have a search for your lists on the computer version, um, or I just sort my lists by alphabetical because I have all of them, like, titled in a way that I can find stuff. Yeah, most of the lists I made, though, were just pretty much, like, <laughs> A lot of rankings. You made a couple like seasonal um, lists too. Yeah, I don't, was that this year? Yeah, because a lot of I it was so. just like my top decades. I did Christmas yeah, movies. Yeah, you made a Christmas list. I made yeah, I made several. Like I did my Ghibli ranking, Kubrick ranking, yeah, all of these count because a lot well rather a lot of these count because I updated them. I did a hundred spooky spooks for Halloween. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, I did a teenage angst list. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with lists this year. I really in, I, again, I enjoy making letterbox lists a lot. It's just not as <laughs> convenient as I would like being that I mainly use the app, yeah. I tracked down my number, my guy. Apparently, went and saw fifty-eight movies in theaters nice, in this nice. past year, which is crazy. Yeah, that's really that's a lot for us. Yeah, for fifty-eight. Sure. Typically, I get like thirteen max, like in the past years. <laughs> How many lists did you have, though? Remy? <laughs> you don't want to know. I, I made um one hundred and sixty-six lists. I attempted to fill out my letterbox stats, like they let you tag. Um, each year and each decade with, like, uh, an official ranking list that you can make. So I did that for, like, every year I had seen <laughs> movies from, which sounds meticulous, but it was really fun. So I had I had a great time. This next category is very funny. This is likes, which I assume is how many things you've liked. Yeah, it's how many things you've liked, whether that be a list, review, um, film, even. Yeah, so, so the thing about me, I very rarely... <laughs> Uh, Like, I'll like reviews when I remember to. I don't often remember to. (laughs) But I don't, like, seek out reviews to like. Mm. And I don't really like people. Like, I don't, like, seek out lists. So I don't usually like lists. (laughs) So I pretty much just, like, like movies when I like movies. This might be, like, our most staggeringly different statistic, even compared to the list number. (laughs) I was about to say, my numbers are a lot more than my dire entries. I have 874 likes, Mm -hmm. which is more than double. Yeah, Um, Well, actually, just under double. Because the...
1: Yeah, yeah. But whatever. Yeah, you're right.
0: Um, And, like, that's quite a few in my opinion, but let's hear Robbie's. (laughs) Apparently I liked 10,802 things on Letterboxd in the past year. 10,000. That's crazy. I mean, I'm on Letterboxd every day, like, liking reviews and lists and everything, but that is, like, an absurd number to me. (laughs) Ten thousand yeah, that's pretty likes. crazy. Uh, and then the next one is whatever. uh It's twenty-four comments. I'm I think assuming that's, that's comments you left. I'm assuming, people. yeah, that's comments yeah. I left because I I did comment more this year than I usually would on Letterbox. I don't really engage with Letterbox that much mm-hmm. on like a social on a social level. level. Yeah, which is that's like its whole functionality outside of being like a film logging thing. Which is typi- meant to be yeah. a social. Which is typically what I use it for. It's <laughs> just like a little personal yeah. thing. No, mine was much higher than it was last year. I, I did uh sixty-five comments. I composed sixty-five comments <laughs> in the whole year. And then our last one, which is pretty funny being that <laughs> our num like our numbers being the way that they are, yeah. I have it's hours of movies or film logged. Yeah, just so. any sort of media. So that could be many series as well. Yeah. I have eight hundred and eighteen point eight. Hours, <laughs> which is a, a hearty chunk. That's a lot. Dude. That is yeah. a lot of hours. I have 640.6, uh, which is. Like I about to say the fact that way lower than I, I expected. Yeah, I compared to yours, less way. than you. Yeah, and yet have like 200 more hours than you. Well, I think you did complete a couple TV shows over the I did. course I, of this last year. I logged several TV which shows. that would help a lot. I logged, and I logged a lot of just short films. Yeah, and a lot of what I've been watching too. I've been watching a ton of really long <laughs> yeah, movies yeah. and stuff even. I believe... It, I, It might have been last year, but, like, stuff like Until the End of the World and stuff like that, which is, like, a five-hour film. Yeah, that that was this year. And I've got the hours to pull in. I just (laughs) think that's funny, given the rest of our stats. Yeah. No, I think so, too. Uh, The next thing we're going to look at is we're going to look at our most popular, like, our most logged times of the month the week yeah i was about to say this is the bi-week section on the uh, letterbox stats here if, if you're staring at your stats page <laughs> which this won't take long no. i think this is just fun <laughs> uh, i wanted to point out like our our most logged week how many films we logged in yeah. one week um and then also some of our most logged days and averages and stuff i was about to say i have i have my most logged week <laughs> yeah which is crazy yeah <laughs> let's what's yours remy um It is, oh gosh, I just backed out of it. Here it is, April 24th to April 30th. (laughs) Which I logged 26... films over the course of that so it was wow. seven days <laughs> wow which i think that's when the film festival was that going on yeah Cause that's cause... in april yeah yeah so yeah that would yeah late april the early film may festival, yeah. Yeah. yeah so i was i was binging through like hundreds of beavers and a bunch of short films and like a couple of features yeah it was it was mostly short films i think that contributed to that um because i watched which week of april uh, the 24th to the 30th. Yeah, I have nine <laughs> films for that week. Yeah, that so must have that, been fest- Even that's quite a bit. Yeah. But my peak week <laughs> was, uh, November 13th through the 19th when I watched Ooh. 16 films. Oh my goodness. And this was, <laughs> More uh, than two a day. Yeah, this is when I was sick. Yeah. Uh, that, I think you guys sense. had probably heard of this yeah. earlier, but I was literally in bed and did not feel like doing anything, so I just watched a bunch of stuff and... It was, you know, pretty fun other than the whole being sick part. Right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, whenever I'm sick, I'm always like, ah, finally time, time enough to read my books or whatever, you know, <laughs> but like, I would never feel up to watching movies when I'm sick. I'm always like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. But I watched some pretty good ones. I watched you like did. Blue Velvet yeah. and Killing of the Sacred Deer and some ones that I'd been meaning to get to. Yeah. But yeah, I had an average per month of 36.5 films. Which is pretty, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. I have 39.3, but again, my, my I think all of my numbers, except for like watched time are going to be slightly higher I was going to say are skewered a little higher with short films and everything and I have an average of 8.4 films a week 9.1 so a little bit over a a, a little bit over a film a day Yeah. yeah Apparently, my average, like, amount, most, the day I watch the most films is yeah, pretty which day, cliche. The week. <laughs> it's it is, yeah. Mine's Wednesday, which I'm kind of surprised about. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing on Wednesdays, but apparently I'm watching movies. <laughs> yeah, Saturday and Sunday stand out pretty highly above the rest of my days for most watched. I have 81 films that I logged on a Saturday, and 71 films I logged on a Sunday. Interesting, yeah. Friday's a really close contender for me, but, uh... Yeah, Wednesday. Is that which, yeah, that is strange. Maybe that... I don't know. Sunday afternoons are a great time to watch movies. I'm usually I'm usually tired, man. <laughs> uh, we also have a fun little section up next. Milestones. Is our milestone section? Yeah. So this is kind of like important dates or things that you hit while watching, and these are fun. Yeah, um, ours are actually the exact same for our milestones but, yeah. for first film and last film. Well, because we watched both of them together. Yeah. So on January first, in fact, it was like. <laughs> Did we watch it like the night? I think it, of the first. It might. It was either no. I think it. I think we rented it or bought it like that night and watched it. Yeah. I don't think it was like midnight of like New Year's Eve or whatever. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. On the on January first, we watched The Men. Yes. Which we've talked uh. about like back on January, like the week of January, <laughs> we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. But it's such a good movie. What a great film to start like a year with. That was yeah. a really solid opening. I was about to say between uh, the Fablemans and me getting my uh, Atlanta Film Society membership this past year it was it was a good film it was a good like film year for me you yeah. know and then the last film that we both had was Ferrari, yeah, which we just talked about which we just talked about and uh, I just put a video out on my channel talking about it a little bit more what? in depth. As well as the Iron Claw. So you should go check that out. That's cool. But I just thought that was funny that we had January 1st (laughs) and December 31st just being the first and last the same. Right. So up next we have Diary Milestones. These are like hitting big numbers for how many films you've logged in your lifetime on Letterboxd. Well, no, this this one is for the year specifically. Yeah. yeah. I have I have some interesting ones. The 50th film I watched <laughs> in 2023 was Shaft, the original 70s Shaft. Which is probably much better than mine, which was Seabees. <laughs> I was trying to catch up for, like, awards season. Yeah, the 150th was Spirited Away live on stage. That's cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Uh, and the 200 and 250 ones, uh, it's kind of funny because I was doing my Martin Scorsese watch because I did mm. a ranking of all of his movies on my youtube channel so my 200th is new york new york but my (laughs) 250th is kundun so like i watched 50 like i logged 50 (laughs) things in the time because kundun was one of the last ones i got my hands on yeah and new york new york was one of the first ones when i was doing my big watch through it's very funny my 250th is just airplane which was a first time watch and like it was good but like (laughs) <laughs> Compared yeah. to Kunda, and it's a, kind of a funny <laughs> contrast. My uh, the only other one of note, I think, is uh, the 400th one, which was Eyes Wide Shut, just because that's a really fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, mine was um, the bad Godzilla movie I've seen, King Kong versus Godzilla, as my 400. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to add or do we want to move down to most watched? Yeah. Let's just cover what we watched the most times or rewatched the most times over this past year. Yeah. So fun little category up next. <laughs> it keeps track of how many times you specifically logged that movie this year yes. or rather 2023. Yeah. So what was your most watched, Remy? <laughs> um Both of my like tied for the top spot are Scream Five and Scream Six, <laughs> which is funny. But like we did cover them on the podcast this year, so it yeah. makes sense. Well, and we watched them like for the first time, and we watched them mm-hmm. for the podcast, and then I think we watched them again for some, yeah. Like we, I don't know, we were sprinkling them in. That's crazy to think about that we watched them for the first time this year. Well. Yeah, I mean, three. If six came out yeah. last year, I was rather. about to say that's crazy. But yeah, I logged both of those three times. Yeah, my most watched film uh, was After Sun, which I logged four times. But I also <laughs> did a video on that. That is true. What's interesting about that is my my next most watched. There's like five films tied for three times yeah i have six films i was gonna say i have scream six <laughs> i have scream three but then i also have the witch the shining and cabin in the woods mm. and what's funny about that is every single one of those is a horror movie <laughs> so outside of after sun all of my most like rewatched films of 2023 were horror films yeah I have a bunch of them in the twice logged slot um, but most notably The Shining which I watched for the first time this year and then got to go see again (laughs) in theaters yeah which was really cool which it's now like my favorite film (laughs) I was about to say uh, the the only other two that pop up on twice for me is The Green Knight and Paprika which again are two films that I did videos on so again YouTube really has skewed my (laughs) stats a little bit that tracks yeah what do we have next? What do we have next, Robbie? Uh Next up is the genres, countries, and languages section, which it's just like our most watched genres, countries, and languages. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go so, over. I say we go over like our top three. Yeah, top genres. few. Yeah. Um, so my, or well, here you go first. Yeah, I've got a uh, comedy. Obviously, is my number one. That's I. I still think I claim that as my favorite genre. Either that or horror. But yeah, I have comedy at 147 films this year, um, and then drama and horror after that. Yeah, mine is <laughs> mine is drama as my top one. That, I have 180 dramas. Given your Scorsese watch through, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, just in general, I find a lot of the films I lean towards end up falling into the drama category. Yep. But then afterwards is thriller at 135 and horror at 124. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, comedy just underneath with 123. <laughs> Yeah, I think I do think it's funny that comedy kind of dominated my year again, given the fact that I went out of my way to watch so many like giallo stuff and like kind of more foreign horror. Like that was the big thing that I tried to dive into this year. What's interesting is if you hop over to highest rated Mm. genres, um, I think I have like a (laughs) three-way, almost a three-way tie, like right in there, or four-way tie almost, like just within the point numbers. History with a 4.29, romance with a 4.28, crime with a 4.26, and drama with a 4.25. That's funny. I have crime, drama, and thriller as my top few, but I was gonna say I really <laughs> like a lot of the romance films that I watched last year. are Some of like my favorites. I really loved so many of the romance films I got to. Like a yeah. lot of romance dramas. <laughs> Does Eyes Wide Shut fall into that? I, I mean, guess it's, so. It's, yeah, it's kind of a romance <laughs> film uh because of course we're from the u.s if you look at our highest watched movies from like which countries the u.s is at like astronomically yeah, the top one i was about to say i think ours are almost the same it's u.s uk france yeah. as our top three which and then my... it shuffles around a little bit after that yeah i have like 358 U- <laughs> u.s 80 uk i have 66 uk oh gosh <laughs> But yeah, so that doesn't surprise me, though. Interestingly enough, uh, my highest-rated country to produce movies that I watched was China. I get Like, all the Chinese films that I watched last year came out to an average of a 4.75. Dude, I have Ireland as my Mm highest-rated country, like, production country. We had a 4.5, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. (laughs) And, of course, this one isn't really of note. Uh, The language is, like, the same way, you know. Most of the films we watch are are in English. Yeah. I, I'm a little let down, honestly, because I noticed that Italy only had 16 films <laughs> after I went out. I It seemed like a very big part. Like, it's a big part of my cinematic experience in the past year, but it only amounted to, like, a couple, <laughs> like right. a dozen. Uh, my highest-rated <laughs> language film is Japanese, German, and French, actually. So no, English does not make my top three Japanese, languages for highest-rated. Yeah, Japanese, English, and Italian, which for- is kind of funny for me (laughs) yeah no it's pretty cool i think um next up are like the next little section on the stats page is themes and nano genres which is a new thing that they just uh introduced this past year yeah these these are cool these are always interesting (laughs) to me yeah um because they're just kind of like weird breakdowns of stuff well it's more it's a bit more like niche kind of genre breakdowns if that makes sense it's it again tackles themes in nano genres it's exactly what it says so for themes my top three most watched are (laughs) gory gruesome and slasher horror my top one terrified haunted and supernatural horror and horror the undead and monster classics (laughs) okay mine's almost the same i have the gory gruesome slasher at number one and then undead monsters um like that one's my number two and then sci-fi horror which i thought was interesting We that really, has aliens yeah we really went in <laughs> hard for horror movies this year like we had yeah, a lot man. of horror movies that we hadn't seen and they're great <laughs> All of them were great. For highest rated, (laughs) mine is really funny because I have a five-way tie for the highest rated themes. I have a (laughs) two-way. I have moving relationship stories, emotional (laughs) LGBTQ relationships, emotional and touching family dramas, um... Legendary Musicians and Stardom. <laughs> Legendary Musicians. And what is my last one? Get Maestro over here. Charming Romances and Delightful Chemistry. Heck yeah. Those are my top rated themes. It's funny, Teen Friendship and Coming of Age has a 5.0, which is crazy Yeah, to me. all of those have a 5.0 for me. <laughs> yeah, I have powerful stories of heartbreak and illness? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, fair enough, I guess. Yeah, I think that's funny, though. I did I did watch a lot of, like I said, a lot of really fantastic mm-hmm. romance films. I yeah. was really happy with a lot of the romance films that I watched. And especially during, like, Pride Month and everything, I tried yeah. to hit up specifically some more LGBTQ romance films, which the ones that I watched were really good. Well, too. I mean, and thinking back on, like, our childhoods and, like, where our blind spots are cinematically, it makes sense that, like, now that we're delving a bit more into like, film exploration, most of the stuff we're watching is stuff we wouldn't have watched yeah, as kids. Like rom- like a lot of, yeah, like, a lot of, like, R-rated romance dramas. Or like even prime just, like, regular and... romance films. I just, we never really watched them when we were younger, yeah. you know? But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. For nano-genres, a little bit <laughs> redundant because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just all horror, again, for my most watched. I have Frightening Twist Climax... Eerie, Blood, Horrifying, Spooky, Unsettling, Horrific. Those that's interesting, because I have, like, three different horror ones. I have Thriller, Climax, Fear, Creepy, Gothic, Screaming, and then Creepy, Brutal, Death. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Creepy made it on there on two of them. Yeah, that's funny. Oh my for, goodness, for, I have yeah, for literally rated, I all have tied. Yeah, same. On a, all Every single one in the nano genres is tied at a 5.0. Same, I think there's just too many nano genres. Well, the thing is, not every... Every film has a nano genre attributed to it. So it's only, like, really popular movies that you watch will have it. And usually you rate those highly, so. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'll, the the <laughs> couple of the top ones. Mystery, Confused, Confusion. Emotionally Complicated, Troubled. <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. And uh, Thrills, Gripping, Intrigue. This is funny. <laughs> Society. Society. Society, Intellectual, and Daring. <laughs> That's funny. Apparently, I highly rate films about society. but he didn't even. I watched Society this year, and Ravi did not watch Society. You actually watched Society. So (laughs) i feel like, oh my gosh, one of them is cry cute songs. Is one of the (laughs) nano genres that is a five point oh. So funny, dude. That's great. (laughs) Uh, Up next, we have our the breakdown section, which gives little pie charts. I do love a good pie chart. But you guys can't really see the pie chart. <laughs> no. So that doesn't really um, specifically work, but we can You mention can tell the it, stats. Yeah, you on can tell the you the percentages, charts. yeah. Uh so what are what do we have? Uh first is 2023 releases versus like movies released before 2023. Yeah. Um which I I was pretty happy with my ratio. I wish it was a little higher cuz I've been trying to keep up with like new releases, but I have a 19.9% like 2023 release watches for this year. 15.3 So. 15.3 of the movies I watched in 2023 were 2023 releases, or okay. 67 of 438. 94 of 472. Yeah. Uh, the next one's interesting. The next one is watches versus rewatches, which I was pretty yeah. impressed with mine this year. Dude, I was uh, really happy with this mine. This time, yeah. 68% of the films I watched in 2023 were the first time I was logging those films. That's so I'd cool. seen them for the first time. I, this is the stat that I'm actually, like that i am most interested in at the end of the year because when i first got on letterboxd it was like really skewed towards rewatches because i was like rewatching everything now that i had a letterboxd and like reviewing stuff but now that i'm like getting more into film exploration it's an 83 percent (laughs) uh like first watches for this year which is cool yeah i really like that And then the last one that we have is reviewed versus not reviewed, which, if you could tell from Robbie's previous stat, he's got a 100% review. Yeah, since I have more reviews than diary entries yeah, for have, the year. I have 84.9% of my diary entries were review, or reviewed. Yes. <laughs> This is kind of a funny stat, too, especially compared to last year. The last one in this section is watch list uh, changes. Yeah. I watched 264 movies from my watch list this year, which is hmm. cool. Like stuff I actively wanted to see. How seek many out. did you add, Rabbit? I added 1,300 <laughs> films to my watch list. <laughs> yeah, I watched 170 <laughs> films off my which watch list. Which is pretty list. admirable, yeah. And added 432 <laughs> films to my watch list. Fair enough. Uh, up next is a fun category. We have we're getting to our actors and directors, like your yeah. most watched and highest rated actors and directors. A lot of people like to share these at the end of the year. Yeah, again, <laughs> mine are kind of goofily skewed. Yeah, it's very funny. No, the podcast like totally threw my um, <laughs> actors at least because these are all like um, either James Cameron alumni or Alien alumni yeah. or Scorsese alumni. <laughs> I was about to say my my top. <laughs> I, uh, we'll do top five for this. Yeah, about. why not? Uh, my top five are Robert De Niro with ten films. Of course. Harvey Cattell with eight <laughs> films. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver with eight films. Leonardo DiCaprio with seven films. Oh. And Samuel L. Jackson with seven films. Interesting. Um, I have Michael Fassbender as my top spot That's with funny. nine films. I didn't even make mine. My... Um, I have Robert De Niro at eight, um, Lance Herskin at seven, Sigourney Weaver at seven, and uh, Katherine Watterson at seven as well. My highest-rated actors, though, and this is <laughs> this is always kind of skewed. I'll just do top five because why not? I was about to say this all of mine are five Because if you watch a five-star movie and you only watch that actor. In that movie the entire year, then that actor gets like a 5.0. Well, no, it has to be at least two movies to have an average, but if you rate both of them fives, then they're gonna have a (laughs) 5.0. I was about to say, I'll do do my top five because I've got more than just five with a 5.0 average. Yeah, so my top five would be Jack Ryan, which is (laughs) kind of funny because he he made an appearance in several films that I was not expecting him in. He was in Asteroid City as a new film, which was cool. Yeah, Uh, Mahershala Ali which he's like one of my favorite actors. So yeah, I was about cool. to say, over the past year he's become one of your favorite actors. Uh, Greta Lee, which yeah. she's really good. Um, Liv Schrieber, I believe is how you would Live say it. Live Or Live Schrieber, sorry. I I mean, darn dyslexia, man. <laughs> and then Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum sitting Jeff at a perfect five point oh Jurassic for Park the, the Fly Asteroid City. I mean, fair enough. I I don't even know like some of these people on mine. I have James <laughs> Rimar, uh, Dave Bautista, Jeanette Goldstein, Beth Grant, and Barry Denon. Again, <laughs> I, I don't know what I've seen these people in, but I've seen them in something that and I they, really liked. I was about to say, and they were apparently pretty good. <laughs> oh, she was in um, South on Tales and Matchstick Man. That makes sense. Hmm. But oh. uh, moving on to directors. Yeah. This is most watched directors. My most watched director. <laughs> Mine is so embarrassing. It's so funny. Mine dude. is so embarrassing. <laughs> this is like the most embarrassing thing I've ever said on the podcast Uh, Martin Scorsese 18 films (laughs) Quentin Tarantino 8 films because I did my Tarantino (laughs) watch through because I had never watched any of his movies yeah Uh, David Lynch 6 films Ridley Scott five films and Wes Anderson five films. (laughs) Dude, it reeks reeks of film bro in here. My goodness, such an embarrassing five most watched directors. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, My my top five were James Cameron with ten films. I'm pretty proud of that one. Uh, Martin Scorsese at eight, Alfred Hitchcock at eight, and then uh, Paul Thomas Anderson at seven and Ridley Scott with six films. And I'm going to give an honorable mention to Jim Henson because (laughs) I watched a bunch of Jim Henson stuff this year, and it was great. All of it. (laughs) (laughs) For highest rated, this one runs into the same kind of problem if you you haven't watched a lot. um, (laughs) I have uh, Richard Linklater at a five. Uh, Stanley Kubrick at a five. Of course. Benny (laughs) and Josh Safdie at a five. (laughs) Wes Anderson at a five, and I'll throw in one because I kind of did the brothers, <laughs> and David Cronenberg at a five. Interesting. Um, I have Jonathan Demme, uh, Stanley Kubrick, Christopher Nolan, Mary Heron, and Ryan Johnson, all at 5.0s. Also, shout out to Charlotte Wells, who also has a 5.0 for me, because she uh, directed After Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> and After <laughs> is pretty epic, I would say. I would tend to agree. <laughs> Uh, up next the section we'll jump down to if yeah. you're, if you're keeping along you're playing along at home <laughs> we're going all the way down to highs and lows yep which this is a fun little These category are interesting, where yeah. it gives stuff that you rated higher than average or rated like you just different averages and stuff it's fun yeah, it well, it, like, takes the most, like, the highest-rated thing that you watched or the lowest-rated thing you watched, most popular thing and most obscure thing that you watched for the year. Yeah. So. so, I think our yeah our highest rated or average rated thing is the same. We yeah. both have uh, Stop making sense. Obviously, which no, I we mean, get to it, go see an IMAX. I was about to say it had its big theatrical re-release. Of course, we both watched it, and of course, everyone loves it. on yeah, Letterboxd stop making sense. It's what making sense. Do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your lowest average movie you watch? My lowest average is a, a film called Splatter that I watched. It's actually a short film that Joe Dante uh, directed and. Wrote Roger Corman produced. Um, It's like a $2 budget Netflix produced, like back in the 2000s, Netflix produced um, murder mystery thing. And it's really (laughs) terrible. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the worst things I, I watched it's this average. year. I meant to say it's uh, a one point six. I was about to say stop making sense as a four point seven. Yeah, splatter has a one point six average. That it, beats out mine. Yeah. Um, there's some cool fisheye shots, but like it's really boring and bad. It's funny. To my watch it. my lowest average film was <laughs> Black Mirror Maisie Day, which <laughs> that is kind of funny. has a two point one. Yeah, which, that's low, man. Uh, well, dude, I try and. I tried especially this year, like if you look at my, even like my rating spread this year, it leans very high. Mm -hmm. But I really tried this year, and it's kind of what I try and do in general, to just go for films that That I think are going to be good. And usually (laughs) like I been pretty right about that the only reason i watched Maisie day was just because i've been watching through black mirror mm. Maisie day sucks yeah it's so bad i was let's say i picked i picked splatter because i wanted to see more joe dante stuff and this was during october and i like hadn't watched a horror film for the day yeah. and i was like oh it's short i'll watch that and then it was <laughs> terrible yeah no Maisie day is really <laughs> embarrassing it's one of the worst episodes of black mirror and there are some pretty bad episodes of <laughs> black mirror that's funny uh, we both have the same most popular cuz I'm pretty sure it was just the most popular movie on Letterbox Probably, this year. Probably, yeah. Uh, Barbie of course. Of course. Really fun movie. I was about I'm to say it's popular. It deserves to be the most popular dude. It's great. Most obscure we pulled <laughs> we pulled some different things cuz you had you pulled something more obscure than this one even though you watched this with me. Yeah, I was about to say I I managed to get a lower low average and a more obscure obscure I was about film. to say, my my most obscure that I watched was Hippo versus Croc. <laughs> Versus correctly, how many? Oh, it doesn't pop up on here as easily to find us on the app. I was going to tell you how many people have logged <laughs> it, but I don't know where that stat is online, like on the web version. Yeah, no, neither do I. Oh my goodness, <laughs> only five people have logged. What did, logged you, what the did film. you? What did you watch, um, Rebby? My my most obscure watch of the year is Shelf Life, directed by Aaron Zhang. Um, it was a short film that I watched uh, during one of the short packages at Atlanta Film Festival for this year. Um, it's a stop motion animated film about like uh, sort of female anxiety in aging, and it's it's really interesting. And it's like one of the best short films I watched this year. Hmm. Um, and it's really insightful. It's really well made. Go, go check it out. If you could track it down, only five people have watched it, but like, it's really beautiful and well-crafted. It's called Shelf Life. Um, Aaron Zhang directed it. Go watch it. It's great. Hippo versus Croc is bad. (laughs) Don't go watch it. It's a bad documentary. Hippo versus Croc. Uh, You found the stat. 46 people have logged it on (laughs) Letterboxd. Dude, I can't believe mine's a single digit log for the year. That's crazy. Uh, up next, though, is what I was initially referring to, which is our higher, like rated higher than average mm. and rated lower than average, which are specifically Letterboxd patron stats. Yeah. So if you don't have patron, you can't play along at Oh no, my god! <laughs> oh no! Um, I always think these are weird because I am so like wishy washy on how I rate things, and it's always like. The, they take the rating that you have on your diary entry and not, okay. like, if you revised it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, like, some of these I would have changed at this point, um, but it's still an interesting section. Yeah, what are yours for higher rating... Films you rated higher than the average letterboxed user? This year I watched uh, Skinnamarink and gave it a 5, <laughs> um, which the average is 2.87, which is uh, shockingly low still for me. I, yeah. I think Skin Marink is, like, amazing, obviously um knock at the cabins also on here we did all episode about that southland tales which i watched for the first time i can't and believe, just adored it i, I loved it. it it's so embarrassing really. um master gardener made its way on here i have lowered it since then but it is very very good um definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it already scream 4 made it on here <laughs> uh very good movie and killer clowns from outer space also made it yeah, mine <laughs> mine are interesting. I also have *Skinner Rink. I didn't give it a five, but I gave it a four and a half. I mm. do think it's a really great movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's got a very low average. Yeah, just I'm uh, still I'm just kind of shocked at how low it is. It's Knock, crazy. Knock at the Cabin made it on mine as well. Yep. Society made it on mine. Society. I really enjoyed Society I and leave. I loved what it was going for. But it only has a three point four average. I'm surprised it's not like a I mean it is a cult classic, but like yeah. it doesn't seem as widely loved no, on Letterboxd it's, it's as I would a, assume. It's really dumb. But it's really <laughs> <laughs> really fun, and I like it. I, I like the way its little commentary works. So interesting. Uh, I also have Kundun, which I really adored. <laughs> um, the Killer, which I really adored, and oh. Asteroid City, which was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really connected with Asteroid City. That was one of the most memorable watches for me in theaters of last year. Man, The Killer's so good. And the Killer's so funny. <laughs> it's so I fun. feel like people. I feel like people, I don't know, are not viewing it as no, comedically like a, as I view you're it. Gonna, you're going to be like, they're watching it wrong. I, I'm not going to say that because there's no wrong way to yeah. inherently watch a movie. But like... I don't know. Again, I feel like a lot of the negative reviews I have seen from it, like, are not engaging with it as a comedy, and they're like, "Wow, this is really pretentious and dumb," which it is. It is dumb. Yeah, but that's part of what makes it really funny. Like the egregious product placement is like as bad as like Haunted Mansion, <laughs> yeah. but I think it actually has a reason and something to say, and is really funny in the killer. But, but Micah, this episode isn't about the killer. <laughs> I know. Let's move on to our rated lower than the average Letterboxd user for the year. Yeah. Um I logged uh Doctor Who The Giggle at a 2 star which I know it, like for people who bother logging the Doctor Who specials obviously they're going to like them. <laughs> um but I was I that was my least favorite of the bunch. I do I do like some of the specials from this year but not that one. Uh I also logged The Room at a 1 star. Like Oof, I can't believe it. What's its average? 2.59. That's crazy to me. That's that's crazy. <laughs> it's 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 just so awful. Like, I didn't even get that much ironic enjoyment out of it. It's such a, like, seethingly hateful movie. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. <laughs> um, I have The Stuntman on here as well at a two-star rating, Christmas in Connecticut at a two-star rating, uh free Freebirds. birds no Ravi, had no, a one. one for free birds dude it's so it's bad it's it's best it's, it's so bad it's so funny though Ravi. <laughs> um and then i also have monster squad at a two star <laughs> rating Um, yeah, no, I don't like any of these movies. Yeah, mine are interesting. I have Shark Tale, which I gave a a one and a half. Very bad movie. Yeah. I have Me Before You, which I think is an actively harmful, kind of gross movie. I Mm. cannot believe it's got a 3.28 average. Is that the one you were talking about that's, like, really ableist? Yeah, it's extremely ableist in a kind of, like, dark, gross way. Mm. Um, Which, again, most of the top reviews of the movie comment on that, but yet it's still got a 3.28 Hmm. Uh, next up is mickey's twice upon a christmas yeah. which we talked about i only gave it a two <laughs> christmas in connecticut which i only gave it two and a half yeah all quiet on the western <laughs> front which i gave it three versus its 3.97 we average. talked about it on our oscars I episode of, i think <laughs> it's 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 not a bad film it deserves its three but i kind of hate it on principle i kind of i don't know it kind of is bad almost uh, like it's teetering on bad i yeah. think yeah and then I also have Yodorovsky's Dune, which is a documentary that... About I, Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, about Jodorowsky's Dune. And I really... I gave it a three because it's like a fine constructed documentary. But I really hate it on principle. Like there's such a smugness about what it's doing. I mean, would you watch it again? No. That's usually my metric for like teetering between a two and a half or like a three just, or it's something. It's just like... It's kind of... <laughs> It's that same kind of thing as where it's. I almost feel like it's kind of gross because of the way it views Yodorovsky's work and how one-sided it is. Yeah, like it. It, talks it seems about, to defy Yudarovsky with how you described it. Yeah, anyway. it talks <laughs> about his production like it was this literally like holy thing. Yeah. That was that was supposed to go correct and then it just didn't because people didn't see the vision, even though like from what they present in the documentary it was just a bad he was bad at managing the production I was about to say it it sounds like a poorly managed production with some good ideas behind it yeah I don't know and then it goes to like really big extremes talking about just how much it influenced (laughs) films for the rest of time and I just it really rubbed me the wrong way I do not like it (laughs) that's funny Um, I figured here at the end I would read off like the highly rated films I've yet to see from 2023 because we have missed a couple this year, despite in spite of our A-list status at AMC. <laughs> well, most of these didn't make it into our theater. That is true. Um, a couple notable ones, there are a lot of anime <laughs> like specials on yeah, here. Yeah, the Attack on Titan special. Um, but I still want to see Eros tour, like the big Taylor Swift concert film. I want to see Poor Things still, maybe. Maybe. Um, Monster uh, I want to yeah, see, Yeah, Monster's definitely. the big one here that I've missed out on, uh, and Anatomy of a Fall, they made yeah, I have Godzilla Minus One, I never I still haven't caught oh. Godzilla minus one oh, it's so good Micah <laughs> but yeah that's that's kind of a run through of our 2023 stats on Letterboxd yeah. hopefully that was fun maybe you got to play along at home I think that would be fun <laughs> I was about to say even if you don't subscribe to Pro check your inbox for your wrapped uh, email that they send out yeah. to everyone and it'll, it'll have, give you yeah, uh, a, couple of of these, yeah, a couple of these stats that you can at least be like oh there's my like most watched actor for the year it's still fun So yeah, let's get into just a a brief little look at how our podcast has been performing, just as a fun little thing, because we've we've grown a lot as a podcast in this last year, which is cool. We're going to be grabbing specifically from our Spotify stats, which does not include stuff like YouTube and different podcasting platforms, but it'll still be fun. (laughs) Yeah, um, I was about to say, I haven't actually looked at our wrapped. I know a lot of people like kind of, you know look at them directly when they come in, but this should be interesting. Um me and Micah have it pulled up on again Spotify for podcasters. Yeah. So let's go. Uh in twenty twenty three people were really feeling what you do. Okay. According to Spotify. <laughs> right, according to Spotify. You say that to all your podcasts. <laughs> uh let's take it from the top. Okay. Top episode was the, the menu, menu review. Featuring, featuring our sister Marianne. Real early in the season. Shout out to Marianne. <laughs> All right, cool. I, I didn't know that was our most listened episode for this season, at least, you know, on our podcast. Yeah, that's stuff. cool. Uh, it was streamed two hundred and seventy-three percent more than your average episode. Which is interesting, <laughs> though a lot of, I know I know for a fact a lot of Marianne's friends use Spotify for their true. podcasting. So that'd be very funny that's if like that's what pumped true. it up. But still, that's yeah, that's seems pretty good. Yeah. Um let's see what let's see what pops up next. A bunch of crazy transitions. Right. Uh let's hear it for, for the, the new, new fans. fans. Okay. Eighty-nine percent of your listeners are like started <laughs> listening in twenty twenty three. Hey, that's pretty cool. So that means we had an eighty-nine percent growth <laughs> of like listenership. Diary of a wimpy kid, Roderick rules. That review really brought them in. Dude, that's funny. That's not people, even from this season. People love Roderick Rules, though. 30% of your new listeners started with the Roderick Rules episode. That's cool. People that's a good, love you know, Roderick rules. I'll say it. That's a good taste for, like, our podcast, I think. Like, how we go about reviewing stuff, even yeah. though it is a Diary of a Wimpy Kid live-action yeah, 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 sequel. Yeah, yeah. But people <laughs> love Roderick Rules. It's good. It's great. Ooh, how does it feel to have gone global? What's oh, our global Let's see. listeners? Yeah, I'm curious. Streamed, streamed in, in 10, countries. ten countries. Of course, United States was the top country with seventy five percent of our total streams coming from the US. Yeah, I know we typically have a decent UK listener base as well. Get any good postcards this year. We have most new listeners in United States and the UK. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like, yeah. Your listeners have good taste, obviously. So what else are they into? Let's Ooh. see what our listeners listen to. I'm curious. <laughs> Top podcast genres for our listeners. TV film, kids and family, and sports. You guys are listening to sports (laughs) podcasts. You can't be into movies and sports. Sorry. Sorry, guys. You gotta pick one. (laughs) That's kind of funny. I mean, that's a pretty—that's pretty much what I'd expect. Oh, it gives their music genres too. That's funny. <laughs> Top music genres for our listeners were pop, rock, and movie tunes. Yeah, we got the movie tunes people. <laughs> I mean, I guess anyone who listens to a film review podcast is probably going to listen to a lot of scores. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> I, I still don't get the appeal of doing I that. Love I love listening know. to movie scores. Uh, the this year, your listeners did more than just listen; they talked. Oh, you published thirty-one <laughs> polls, which received three votes. I did okay if you guys check i did put out a poll for I every never, episode of this season i've never seen a poll on spotify so i don't even blame the three votes i was I mean, about obviously to say, not every i appreciate the engagement i just thought it was funny i put out a poll for every episode this season i was about to say in general you can get a lot more engagement on a platform like youtube because, because, because people are prepared for it and it's a lot more of like a visual medium so you're prepared for that kind of thing yeah but i've never voted on a poll on spotify yeah no there's um there's a questionnaire and a poll for almost every episode in season five if you go on spotify (laughs) feel free to engage if you want to for all our spotify listeners are Are you you a gardener spotify asks why do you ask i wonder (laughs) because your podcast saw some nice growth this year 51 percent more listeners yep 38 38 percent more streams 38 percent more followers interesting and and 17 percent more minutes minutes created so we I guess we were more, more prolific episodes. yeah we were more prolific this year that's good yeah that's <laughs> I <cool>. think <laughs> season four was kind of like spotty on release, so that was yeah, we good we were a little better about that this year can't forget to shout out uh to give a shout out to your Ooh, biggest, biggest fans, fans. <laughs> here are your top 10, ten podcasts, podcasts for 24 fans huh uh uh-huh. <laughs> you're a top oh oh we're okay oh we're a top 10 podcast for 24 fans we can read guys (laughs) we have two people who can't read apparently yeah okay so for for 24 of our fans we were the top podcast of the year which is pretty cool thank you (laughs) for listening (laughs) top five podcasts i was gonna say we were in the we were in the top five for or top 10 for 24 drum roll please are we gonna be number one for a lot of people for six, six people, people, we were wow. in our top listen to podcast. Look at that, we made the Spotify wrapped, baby. Shout out to six people. <laughs> I think, I think, shout out to six people. <laughs> I think, specifically, Kaylor was one of those. Yeah. Uh, he was on the Rango episode, Don't but listen to the Rango he's, a, he's an avid listener of the podcast, so thank you, Kaylor, for I believe being one of those. <laughs> yeah, six no, fans. He, he sent us a message. He was like, Recently logged was my number one this year. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Top fans listen to you four times more than your other listeners. Wow. Nice. I mean, nice, that's that's thanks, not that Thanks, surprising. top fans. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. Eighty-three <laughs> percent joined you for the first time this we year. You already heard that. Yeah. Stat. yeah. Hold on now. Hold <laughs> this, on a this second. This is getting a little redundant. Uh, okay, so it's just relisting a bunch of stuff at the end with firework animations. Though. Fireworks. <laughs> yay this is kind of interesting i it wasn't quite a showy last year thank you for sharing your podcast with the world says spotify you're welcome speaking of sharing <laughs> oh no they made oh, something no. just for us what is this <laughs> oh it's oh, a little it's share a little card. card we should tweet those around uh, yeah we should <laughs> post them on the instagram <laughs> on the gram when when the episode releases yeah yeah all right so you'll see those maybe <laughs> It's but just a little card with the stats that's on. That's funny. It. That was fun. Yeah. But thank you guys for listening. We've had a, again the podcast has done pretty well this year or rather last year <laughs> yeah, especially I, was about to say, um, I keep referring to it as this yeah, year <laughs> right even on uh, youtube like yeah we we've, we've had some great growth on youtube this year um i think we like doubled in subscribers we've had a lot more um like consistent watch engagement which is good cuz a lot of it has just been like stray search result watches and yeah. people didn't weren't really engaging with it but this year we saw a lot more commenters which uh, I try, I try to respond to a lot of them if I can. A lot more people like actually, again, like actually listening because like yeah. a lot of our views on YouTube, especially because of our title, like way we do things. Yeah, the, like the way people, we title our episodes. People looking for uh, like just rips of the movie. Yeah, pirates of movies. We have like I think it's like thirty thousand on one of our Mission Impossible episodes, and the average duration is like two seconds yeah it's funny we i think we only got two disgruntled comments this year being like this was clickbait i'm like i'm so sorry it's literally not <laughs> but it's fine <laughs> uh, but yeah no thanks for subscribing to the youtube channel thanks for following our um, letterboxd hq page if you did that we're uh, that's like the only thing we spend money on for the podcast right. go so. follow us on letterbox yeah feel free to engage there you'll get like um you can see like lists when we publish new episodes and like see our reviews and everything when we publish new episodes it's a cool page yeah go check it out Uh, we got a lot more followers on there too is the reason I brought it up (laughs) not just promo (laughs) but also promo but also promo yes always be plugging (laughs) Um. (laughs) yeah let's get into let's get into a, a, a brief little what we watched segment let's do it Alright, so for those of you who are new to the podcast or have never listened this far, though this is a really weird episode if you're new to the podcast <laughs> so to have to listened to on. the end. Yeah, But if you did, thanks. That's pretty cool. You're, you're cool. You're a cool person. <laughs> uh, the What We Watch segment is a fun little thing we do where we talk about all of the movies that we've scene within, like in between a certain episodes, range. Yeah. and give brief thoughts, brief ratings, and just have fun. This time we're not going to do just that, because time, <laughs> and instead we're just going to start with the first of the year. Yeah, our first few uh, watches of 2024. Yeah. It's exciting. This is the groundwork, the <laughs> foundation. So at at on the first, we sat down, we wanted to watch a movie for the first, and our mom for some reason decided to turn on... Uh, Roald Dahl's E.C.O. Trot. Yeah, which, I mean, this was in my watch list, to be fair. It was fair. in my watch list, too. <laughs> just because E.C.O. Trot is, like, one of my favorite books from him growing up. And I, it seemed so bizarre to adapt it to, a, like, a full movie, even if it is a TV movie. Yeah, I liked I liked it for the turtles and, like, the kind of cute old person romance. When, when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is a sweet book. When I was reading it, like, when I was reading through all of Roald Dahl's stuff um but yeah i never imagined that it would translate well to the screen and yet and yet it did it seems to have at least partially translate very well no i kind of i kind of admire what this is doing (laughs) it still does unfortunately run into the problem that i figured it would where like Trot's one of the shorter rolled all books yeah it's not very Um, long (laughs) and this definitely does feel like it's padded out a bit but really like the it's just kind of good because Dustin Hoffman and Judy Dench are in it yeah and it has a lot of tortoises I mean it has it has some admirable direction like the set design is kind of cute um but like yeah a majority of the reason it works is just because of its two leads but it is like way more fun and sweet than I ever expected it to be. Um, Especially considering James Corden is the narrator. I was going to get to that. (laughs) That's like the biggest L of the entire movie is that in between all of this like pretty sweet romance and pretty, like, it's not amazing, but it's really watchable and really charming. Yeah, watchable. Uh, James Corden pops in and he's like, yeah, I'm annoying. (laughs) You know, at least they're trying something with the camera work. Like, it was more kinetic than I expected it to be um yeah i don't know it's On Letterboxd cool. man james cameron is billed higher than dustin hoffman and james cameron i'm <laughs> uh, not james cameron james corden darn it but still that would like, be crazy that's ridiculous dude i need james cameron to narrate that would be hilarious me. actually which is why his documentaries rock but uh i i gave it a three and a half out of five i thought it was really cute Fair enough. Uh, I'd probably land on I think a three if I were to rate it. Um, I'm trying this new thing where I'm like not rating films. I I don't know. I change up my rating system so often. He changes up his rating system about once a year. About once a year, yeah. This year I'm like not rating stuff if it's below a four or a five. So this did not make. He's taken. He's taken the real Mike Flanagan approach. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that's a nice way to approach ratings on like Letterbox and everything. Because that way you still have your high rated stats, but like you don't have to like. Try and rate, like, a bunch of mediocre or stuff if you don't want we to. we watch less mediocre films. <laughs> that is true. That's my thing. But yeah, ECO Trot, charming, but not, like, great or anything. Yeah. On the third, uh, I watched The Sweet Smell of Success, or rather, Sweet Smell of Success, which is a very, very well-known noir. Yeah. Uh, very, very fun. Very, very cool. I mean, it's in the Letterboxd Top 250. Yeah, it's in the Letterboxd Top 250. It's in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> If if you know Noirs, you know Sweet Smell of success. Yeah, I was about to say, if you've studied Noir (laughs) at all, you know Sweet Smell of success. But, yeah, Tony Curtis is really fun in this. Burt Lancaster is really fun in this. I mean, when is Tony Curtis not fun? That's true. (laughs) Tony Curtis is great. Yeah. But this was just really fantastic. It looks good it feels good it sounds good the dialogue is so snappy and as every single review on letterbox <laughs> puts it sharp it's just like the it's that really sweet like nails it brand of dialogue mm. that noir has um, it's not like my favorite film in the world. I'm not a big fan of its ending as much as I would like to be. Like, it didn't hit as hard as I feel a noir like this should. Yeah, noirs usually have like a big gut punch finish. Like, that's their whole thing. And it thing. tried to. I yeah. just don't think it landed as well for me mm-hmm. as I wish it would. But that's really my only problem. I gave it a four and a half out of five. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, on the third, I sat down and watched Lady Snowblood for the first time, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so funny how much of like proto Kill Bill, this. <laughs> like it feels so strongly influential to how uh Quentin Tarantino approaches like gore See, and action and that's stuff. That's the thing though, Rebby. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's films are all incredibly derivative. Yeah, well yeah, he, he very much wears his influences on his sleeve yeah. and like everyone mentions that. But yeah, Lady Snowblood, um it's an exploitation film based on a manga. <laughs> 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 but it's not like aggressively like sexualizing of its female protagonists, which is really cool. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, like hardly at all, really. Nice. Um, yeah, I was. surprised. <laughs> it's an early '70s Japanese like uh, you know cut them up kind of movie, which is cool. I don't know. It is really fun. Um, it's got some just amazing visuals. Like it re- almost reminded me of how Park Chan Wook likes to shoot action. Um it's it's really awesome. Like it's just amazing, really. <laughs> like um from like set design, uh the like lens choices, the way they just dress all the sets, it's amazing. It looks amazing, the movement's amazing. The performances are great. I love the gore. It's it's a really fun time. I really want to watch it with you sometime, Micah. Since uh, you have seen Kill Bill and I yeah, haven't. Though to be fair, uh, <laughs> Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume Two are like my least favorite Tarantino films. Yeah, I think you'll like this a bit more. She's got <laughs> like a so. little. She's got a little umbrella sword, Micah. That's like so cool. <laughs> that is pretty. That is pretty sick. Um, but I gave Lady Snowblood a four out of five. It's it's great. Um, definitely check it out if you want to. <laughs> what do you got next, Rebbe? Oh, gosh, yeah, I, I didn't realize what I was next. Um, I, the next day I sat down and watched uh, Gran Turismo with my dad, um, which is a, the newest Neil Blomkamp movie. He knows the strength. Knows um, He's erased it a thousand times. Yeah, it, it's become sort of a joke within uh, the film circle in, like, Georgia, at least. And a lot of uh, people on the internet were kind of mocking it because its trailer played nonstop for, yeah, like, it months. Was just, the trailer was <laughs> on for so long. I'm sure like, I'm sure it's not even that bad of a movie. I haven't heard terrible not, things yeah, about it's it. it's not, like, bad. But that trailer, man. <laughs> it's so, yeah, the trailer's pretty egregious. I don't know. Uh, the movie itself... Um, I don't know, it ends up feeling a lot more, like, advertisement-y than I hoped it might, like, not be, you know, like, I kind of hoped, like, they would use the PlayStation money as an excuse to make a compelling, like, drama about, like, this cool thing that happened, but instead it feels like... PlayStation made an ad for yeah. their consoles. Yeah. Um, which is not really the vibe. It doesn't really feel like it has anything to say artistically about like the events that take place, but it, like it's competently made, I guess. It's pretty boring for a lot of it, but the racing sequences are fun, which, I mean, I guess that's what most people came for, and that's what you get, so... I don't know. It almost... It, it reminded me of um, Ambulance, but like they actually held on the drone shots longer, <laughs> which was cool. Like that was yeah, the coolest thing about that's it. That's <laughs> the most unfortunate part about ambulance is how fast it cuts. Yeah, it kept cutting away from the drone shots. But yeah, in this in this one, we get like some fun like dodges around stadiums and stuff with like really wide angle drone shots, and those are fun. Like the race sequences are all pretty fun. But again, I just wish it had a bit more to say, like as a movie, like because this this could have just been a documentary. It it literally yeah. adds nothing <laughs> to anything. Yeah. Um, I did not rate it. I would probably land it at, like, a three. Um, yeah. I don't know. Weird. (laughs) Up next, though, we went out to the theater, and we watched The Iron Claw. Yeah. Which, uh, we did not have a chance to talk about, I I believe, in the big wrapped episode we did. Yeah, no, this was Um, post-wrapped. We did that on the second. And, man, The (laughs) Iron Claw is so good. I did actually (sighs) talk about it in that YouTube video where I also talked about Ferrari. Yes. But The Iron Claw really impressed me, and I've been thinking about it a lot afterwards. It's just a really well-done, like, mature-feeling biopic that doesn't talk down to its audience, mm-hmm. yeah. and portrays things in a way that I feel very much justifies being a movie, and it's just, it's really tragic and really interesting, and actually has, like, a, a decent message beyond, oh, isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, um, watching Grand Charismo and then going to the Iron Claw, like... <laughs> It's like coughing baby versus hydrogen hydrogen bomb bomb, in terms of like sports biopics. It's like, uh, it's just, it, it feels like it was made with so much more intentionality and like artistic voice. And it had the performances. Yeah, they're so good. Zac Efron is, like, I think, honestly giving the best performance of his career. Yeah, I would agree. He's, he's just immaculate here. It's great. The cinematography is really nice. Um, there's a lot of, like, really fun camera work and interesting stylization sprinkled throughout. It's not, like, crazy. No, no. But it makes it really engaging to watch. It's I was about kind to say, of a, a nice toned back feel. Yeah, it's got a nice, solid uh, writer-director who, like, was very clearly had a vision for it and executed it it's it's great i think it's really solid there's a ton i really admire about it it's not a perfect film but it it's really fantastic yeah it's it's so good if you can handle the subject matter and the kind of heaviness of the film i would definitely suggest go watching yeah um but yeah i give it a four out of five i give it it. a four and a half out of five (laughs) Go watch it. Um. After that, um, on on the 7th, Oh right, uh, I forgot you. Loved I this. watched The Perks of Being a Wallflower <laughs> for the first time, uh, which is partially for a video thing that I'm going to do hey. eventually, and partially because it's one of my or it was. I don't know if it still is, but this was definitely one of like my girlfriend's favorite movies when she was a bit younger. Yeah, and it's based on one of her favorite books. So, I had not. I had not watched it. We finally got around to seeing it. And it's really, it's really sweet. I think it does a pretty great job at what it's trying to do. It's not like the best movie in the world. It certainly is like, I think it's a little bit more narrow of a, of like a coming of age film than I was expecting. Mm. It doesn't seem very accessible unless you personally really relate to the characters <laughs> and everything. Which that can be a good thing. Yeah, that can be a good thing. But there are just moments throughout, and it's rather like intense subject matter and everything that I felt like it didn't fully mesh with what it was going for, mm. and it just didn't end up feeling quite like the coming-of-age film that I personally needed to watch <laughs> at this point in my life. Yeah. Like, but it's really good. I think it's really charming. Surprisingly enough, the three main cast, like everybody <laughs> always talks about them. It's some interesting baggage coming in with yeah. the three of them. But they all worked really, really well really engaging, and I think it handles its subject matter for the most part with decent tact, mm. so yeah, very good. Has some great scenes, has some mediocre scenes, but a really, really solid film overall. Yeah, I was surprised at like, how much you liked it when I saw that you logged it. I was like, oh. Well, dude, this is like, uh, I, I'm always surprised because like, <laughs> I know a lot of people who are super like, yeah, it's fine, but you'd be surprised just how many people like adore this movie, yeah. head over heels for it. Interesting. Which I, I get, like, I understand if this, if I connected to it more, I might be that way. Yeah. But being that I didn't connect with it as much, a lot of its like weird character moments and flaws and like I don't know, very pretentious feelingness comes through. Fair enough. But I gave it a four out of five. Now, now the thing that I uh, <laughs> tried to jump to. Yeah. Uh, the SpongeBob musical live on stage. Yeah, we is, watched. We watched that on the eighth. Which we had seen this <laughs> performed at uh, KSU. Yeah, that was pretty. That cool. That was cool seeing it actually in person. That's one of the, like the biggest shows that I've seen live. It was pretty. It was pretty neat. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the recording is also pretty fun. It's obviously not nearly as magical as seeing the show in person, but it's like it's it's fine yeah um i don't know the i i like the performances in it a lot i like a lot of like the set design and the costuming and stuff like there's a lot of really fun stage elements to it that again would be really cool to see live tom kinney makes an appearance that was fun but i ultimately like the actual script and like narrative (laughs) and themes and everything of this musical are a bit wonky they are yeah a bit out of place they don't work super (laughs) cohesively But whatever, it's the Spongebob Squarepants musical live on stage featuring Tom Kenny. Yeah, it's weird that it's not called the Spongebob Squarepants musical. It's just the Spongebob musical. I had to, like, stop myself from saying Spongebob Squarepants. It's not the Spongebob Squarepants musical? it's the Spongebob musical. I guess they thought that would be more, like... E- like easier to write on things. Or I mean, something. yeah, it probably. But yeah, I love the performances. Uh, I like a lot of the music from it. Like, I don't understand why the soundtrack is good. Right. They got too many, too many like big names <laughs> right. to, to work on the songs. What was what was up with that? Yeah, but I think I think generally it's a good time. The taping of it doesn't really add that much from a cinematic perspective. No. But it's still fun enough on its own, like merits as a stage play that I enjoyed watching it. Unless it's a little annoying that the recording is specifically like the nickelodeon tv version so you keep getting commercial like breaks the even though there weren't breaks. any commercials like it would just be like you're watching nickelodeon yeah it'll it'll like leave off on a cliffhanger and then come back like it's tv which i mean it was but it's funny <laughs> but yeah uh, i didn't rate that i didn't rate it either um it would probably be like a three maybe a two uh, you know it would be a three I, I i would watch it again and then just before we were recording this uh we rewatched blade runner the final cut I showed it to my girlfriend. She had not seen it before. Really, I really want to show her Blade Runner 2049. That was the end goal. Um, Because she's not a big fan of this kind of movie, especially from this era. So I wasn't expecting her to love it. this is bordering on, like, art house (laughs) sci-fi, which is funny. (laughs) That's such a funny statement, though, because I know so many people who would get mad at that. Really? (laughs) That's funny. I I think, I don't know, I think it's pretty much in line, especially with the art house movement in the 80s. Like, it's very, like, atmospheric and almost abstract. Abstract at times. I don't know. I think it's it's not quite as if you're, experimental. If, if you're watching the final cut, that yes, is. that's it's true. <laughs> plus, but you get like the unicorn stuff mm-hmm, and yeah. like yeah. I don't know. I I really love this movie. It's one of my personal favorite sci-fi's. I love its atmosphere. I love its performance. I love its themes. I love its world. I love how many little things you can poke at. <laughs> I love its ambiguity and how it leaves so much up to the audience. And yeah, I love it i i'm still kind of torn on it um we're we're no stranger to being like oh ridley scott he's such a good director like if you listen to our legend episode i'm obviously a fan of some of early like some of ridley's early stuff um but blade runner i didn't really connect with that much on my first viewing but the second the second time around i i kind of got into the atmosphere a bit more like i i was able to find my footing a bit better and, I don't know, yeah, the themes, especially around, like, the main, like, guy Decker's tracking down. I was like, this is actually, like, really cool. Like You know, the main guy, whatever yeah. his name is. He's yeah. played by that one actor. Yeah, he's played by that guy. He's got silver hair. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it a lot more. I got a lot more into it this time. It's still not perfect. I, don't, I would say it's a bit of a stretch to call it that. But it is really good, and it's really ambitious. And I love the miniature work in it. All of yeah. the effects are yeah. so cool. I, yeah, I, I could, I would definitely go for another rewatch. But I'm really excited to revisit 2049 now that I've seen yeah. this again. Because um, I've only seen 2049 like half asleep. <laughs> um, so I really want to revisit that. Yeah, I've watched 2049 at this point like three times and Blade <laughs> Runner like three or four times now. Uh, but I ended up rating Blade Runner the Final Cut uh, four out of five. I gave it a five out of five. Solid movie. Great movie. <laughs> yeah that's it that's all we got that's what nice we watch nice and simple that's how we kicked off our year and we're gonna keep on keeping on with some good movies hopefully i was about to say if you're feeling uh ambitious you can comment like the first few movies you watch this year as well if you want to uh if you're on youtube or on spotify see so. i thought i thought you were about to be like if you're feeling like emotionally ambitious go watch <laughs> the iron claw oh no <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, go watch the Iron Claw. Go watch it. Go watch a good movie. Go I watch E.C.O. Trot if you want a <laughs> e. little, weird little romance movie and just ignore James Corden. Dude, if you want to see a bunch of tortoises, that is the yeah, most amount so of tortoises, many tortoises I've ever seen in a movie, and it was great. That was literally, I think, half of my enjoyment. <laughs> so many tortoises, man. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, and thanks for joining us on our podcast journey. Uh, we've been doing this for like five years. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. And I don't know how much we'll be able to do this in the new year, but hopefully we'll still be able to because I really enjoy it and maybe you do too whoa wouldn't that be crazy that's crazy he pointed at the microphone by the way he wasn't pointing at me I I think he knows I enjoy doing it hopefully yeah I pointed at the microphone which behind the microphone is Duolingo the duo owl if you want to see this duo plushie you can go watch our um, live episode where we summarize our 2023 movie watches also I'm going to take a picture and post it on our twitter nice Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye.